Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, March 1st, and this is your FT News Briefing. The war in Ukraine is causing energy prices to skyrocket, and the U.S. and its allies are meeting today to discuss potentially releasing oil reserves to offset prices. And Western sanctions are wreaking havoc on Russia's financial system. This is basically one of the ways that the West has to financially attack Russia, and it's really brutal. Plus, we'll take a look at how Gulf states have positioned themselves in this conflict. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The International Energy Agency will hold an emergency meeting today to discuss releasing oil from their strategic reserves. The goal would be to stabilize the market. Oil prices jumped above $100 a barrel after Russia invaded Ukraine. Here's our EU correspondent, Andy Bounds. If they do release the stocks, it would be the first time since the Libyan civil war of 2011. Uh, Libya, obviously another big oil producer. And uh, it would only be about the fourth time in history that they've done this. The Gulf War 1991 and Hurricane Rita and Katrina in 2005. Um, So it's pretty serious. So how much would this actually affect energy prices, Andy? I think it will send a signal to the market that countries are willing to intervene. I don't think it'll have a massive impact because the instability is such that the investors are very worried and market traders are very worried. But, you know, combined with any move that OPEC might make, it's a signal to the market that, you know, countries are prepared to intervene uh, and try to ameliorate these price rises. And how much could a release of oil stocks offset Russian supplies? It's probably only a drop in the ocean to some extent. Russia accounts for 10% of global production. You know, we're probably talking about something like, you know, 60, 75 million barrels against a daily demand of 100 million barrels a day around the world. So, I mean, Russia is still supplying oil, pumping oil, despite the sanctions. So in some ways, it's more, the volatility in the price is more future concern and and, and worries about, uh, you know, the effect on the economy rather than the actual supply of oil, which which is still pretty high. Andy Bounds is the FT's EU correspondent. We'll also keep an eye on tomorrow's meeting of OPEC plus oil producers, which includes Russia. Investors in Russian assets are struggling to sell their investments, and a lot have plummeted in value as Western sanctions have been imposed on Russia's financial system. The ruble tumbled nearly 30% in value at one point on Monday. Government bonds fell. So Russia's central bank stepped in and doubled its key interest rate to 20%. To talk more about what's going on, I'm joined by our markets editor, Kitty Morton. We usually talk to her on Fridays, but there's so much going on that we decided to bring her in today. Hey, Katie. Hey, how are you doing? So, Katie, I, I mean, how big of a deal is all of this? I mean, the the, the yeah. interest rate thing in itself is huge, but like all of this, how do you what do you make of this turmoil? This is a surgical strike on the Russian financial system that's been executed over the weekend, and the sanctions. I think we have to assume are going to be there for a long time. And so, if you are an investor. Would you want to get into Russian assets now? We've spoken to a lot of um, investors, fund managers who have got a lot of Russian paper on their books and they want out and they can't get out. And because of the way that these sanctions have been formulated, unless they can find another Western buyer to take these Russian government bonds, for example, off their hands, there's no reason to buy 
Russian assets that anyone sane can think of at the moment. There's only reasons to sell. And so the market has to adjust. Prices have to adjust. So Katie, how bad is this for Russia? This is seriously bad news for Russia because, you know, generally speaking, you can look at a decline in a currency and say, oh, well, maybe this would be good for exports. Not really now, because Russia exports a lot of energy and not that much else that's super useful to the rest of the world. So this is not a kind of currency devaluation that's going to help to fire up the economy. It's the sort of currency devaluation that's going to destabilize the banks, that's going to trash the value of a lot of people's savings. And the reason why the central bank came in and more than doubled interest rates is because they are trying to head off financial stability risks. This is a really serious challenge to the entire Russian financial sector. And look, there's going to be collateral damage here. But this is basically one of the ways that the West has to financially attack Russia. Katie, does that mean that investors in Russian assets just have to take the hit? Um, Or do do they wait for someone to pick it up and just kind of sit on their hands? There probably will be a bunch of fund managers that are that are left wearing losses. So for example, say you hold these Russian government bonds, even if the government bonds pay out their regular interest payments, their coupons, can you transfer that money back to a Western bank account? And how? Because that whole system has has fallen apart. So this puts massive pressure on, on the Russian regime. Do we have a sense of whether or not this is hurting Russian people more than wealthier Russians? Does it matter? It will matter. There's a lot of ordinary people who are finding that their credit cards won't work or um, who are rushing to try and get hold of money out of cash machines. If we find that there's a large part of the population that simply can't get hold of their own money uh, because their banks are getting into difficulty, this becomes a new kind of domestic front, if you like, for, for Putin and for his, for his regime. It's a little bit unclear at the moment how long-lasting this kind of dash for cash among the ordinary population is, is going to be and what kind of reasons will be thrown out there officially for this happening. But it's clear that money can be a weapon in, in this whole battle over Ukraine and, and, and it's being used really forcefully. Katie Martin is the FT's markets editor. Thanks, Katie. Pleasure. As the war in Ukraine widens global fault lines, Gulf states are trying to remain neutral. The United Arab Emirates defied the U.S., its longtime partner, and abstained from a U.N. vote condemning Russia's invasion of Ukraine. They were joined by China and India on that one. On the face of it, it is a surprise because the Gulf historically has depended on the United States for its security and its protection. That's our Gulf business correspondent, Simeon Kerr. But things have changed over the last decade, and they've seen that Russia promises to do something and does it. I mean, one example would be the intervention of Russia in the Syrian civil war on behalf of President Assad, uh, which turned the tide in that conflict and really delivered victory for Assad. And the Gulf states might have disagreed with that, but they saw that there was certainly a commitment from Russia. You get what you see. And they would contrast that with 
an increasing frustration at the United States and other Western powers. They don't no longer see the US and Western powers as the great arbiter of regional relations. They see the rise of Russia and the rise of China. So, Simeon, could Gulf states weaken the effort to isolate Russia's economy? Well, on the economic side, this is where it's going to be interesting because the Gulf wants to become a big investor in Russia. One can see that presumably continuing. But as Russia becomes increasingly isolated through sanctions, uh, the relationships it has with the Gulf states, including in the UE, which is a big financial recycling zone for global cash flows, uh, it'll be interesting to see how and when, the, the, for example, the UE reacts to these sanctions and whether Russians and, for that matter, Ukrainians are going to continue to see uh, the UE, especially places like Dubai, as a place where they can move money and keep money safe. As the sanctions become clearer in the how they're going to be implemented, certainly the United Arab Emirates will be coming under increasing scrutiny as to whether it is playing its part in enforcing those sanctions, given that it's given this tacit political backing to Russia through the crisis. Simeon Kerr is the FT's Gulf business correspondent. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. If you aren't a subscriber yet, you can read our key Ukraine coverage for free. We've taken down the paywall for some of our coverage. Just visit FT.com slash free to read. Again, that's FT.com slash free to read. We'll also have a link to that one in the show notes. This has been your daily FT news briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.